In John's Gospel, chapter 16, John writes these words. Jesus is in the upper room with His disciples. He's already talked about how that He's going to be leaving them soon. His earthly ministry is coming to an end. They don't fully understand. They don't know. They're scared. They're concerned. But these are Jesus' words of comfort to them from John chapter 16. Sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in Me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see Me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me. For He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore I said that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. Now this is one of those passages here, and it's called the Upper Room Discourse, where Jesus is laying out kind of what's to come for His disciples, including His death, His departure from this world, dealing with their anxiety, their fear, their frustrations, their questions, and His answer is around a helper. The way He ministers to them is the coming of a helper who's going to come, not to replace Him, but to carry on what He began to carry on in an even more powerful and potent way than what Jesus began. Not because the Holy Spirit is more powerful, but because Jesus is one person, a man. Fully capable, fully God, but in human form, He's one. But the Holy Spirit comes and carries out the life, the ministry, the truth of Christ, the beauty of Christ into hearts and lives all over the world throughout the ages. And here we're, we're just reminded of the, our triune God, the Father, Son, and Spirit. All that the Father does is for His glory, but He accomplishes it through a person, His Son Jesus, who is the exact image of His glory. You've never seen the Father. The Father is a Spirit, but you look at Jesus and you see God. And even when Jesus, who is the image of God, departs, he goes to the cross, He dies, He raises again, but ascends to the Father up to the right hand. That's where He is now, alive and well. Jesus, in His person, there's a transcendent distance, but because of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, there is an imminent nearness. Though Christ is there, the Holy Spirit of Christ, whose sole ministry is to what Jesus said here, He will glorify Me. The whole purpose of the Holy Spirit is to convey the beauty of Christ to hearts and lives, to bring sinners to repentance, to bring sinners to an awareness of their sin before a holy God, 
to drive them deeper and deeper into Christ. Sometimes the Holy Spirit gets neglected in our thinking about the Father, Son, and Spirit. But then again, maybe that's exactly how it should be. Because the Spirit's role is not to bring glory to Himself, but to do, bring glory to exactly what the Father is bringing glory to, the Son. Having looked upon God in Scripture, we turn for just a moment again to this little track that we're using in our prayer time, looking unto Jesus by that French theologian Theodore Monod. We're just taking little different aspects of uh, Christ to focus upon in our prayer time, something about Him to look upon, but also something to look off of. So listen to this, and let's consider this in our prayers this morning. Looking unto Jesus, revealed by the Holy Spirit, to find in constant communion with Him the cleansing of our sin-stained hearts, the illumination of our darkened spirits, the transformation of our rebel wills, enabled by Him to triumph over all attacks of the world and of the evil one, resisting their violence by Jesus our strength, overcoming their subtlety by Jesus our wisdom, upheld by the sympathy of Jesus, who has spared no temptation, and by the help of Jesus, who yielded to none. Now, again, sometimes he's trying to take these big thoughts and just put them into a paragraph. Looking unto Jesus, revealed by the Holy Spirit. This is exactly what Jesus talked about in John 16. It's the work of the Spirit. His whole reason, His whole function is to so stir in our hearts a love for Christ and to fix our eyes upon the beauty of Christ. The work of the Spirit is to magnify and to glorify Christ. And we look to Christ revealed by the Spirit because God uses the Spirit to encourage our hearts to communion with Christ, illumination in our darkened hearts, right? We wake up in the morning and by nature we're sinners, we're battling, but the Holy Spirit comes and illuminates our hearts and minds, not just for the sake of being illuminated, but what? To see Christ. The Holy Spirit comes and transforms our rebel wills. How is it that a a sinner goes from a a lover of darkness to a lover of light, right? John chapter 1. How does that happen? It's the work of the Spirit coming and doing a work of grace, the new covenant, taking out a heart of stone, a heart of darkness, and putting in a, a, a flesh heart, a heart of light, a heart of love. That's the work of the Spirit. And the whole purpose of that regenerating work of the Spirit is to give us a love for Christ. And that's why when we talk about the defining characteristic of a true believer, it's never what a believer does, never a prayer that he prays, never baptism. It's what? Love for Christ. That's the objective evidence of a true believer. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. Gives us a love for Christ. He transforms our hearts. Transforms our Christ-hating hearts into Christ-loving hearts. And Manad picks up that the work of the Spirit, you see how he turns it, Jesus, our strength. The work of the Spirit turns our hearts to Jesus, our wisdom. To the sympathy of Jesus, who, whatever you're going through, he knows. Whatever temptation you're facing, Jesus faced it, and more so. Look to Jesus. And the help of Jesus. 
though he faced every temptation you did and I did, he never once broke. He never once sinned. If there's anyone who can help you, who is sufficient to help you battle your temptation, who has the plan, the strategy for conquering your temptation, it's who? Jesus. He's your help. In him is everything. And that's the work of the Spirit. Christianity is not lived in your strength or my strength. It's not waking up and you having your quiet time, you being the best Christian you can be. It is waking up in total dependence upon the Spirit and His work in our life, who through His work will lead us to those means of grace in which we will see Jesus. In our time this morning, there's a lot of things said there about Jesus. He's our strength, our wisdom our sympathy, our help. So that's looking unto Jesus. And let me just pull one thing looking off of something. On page 10, if you have your booklet, look unto Jesus and not the dearest, I'm sorry, page 12, not the dearest, the most legitimate of our earthly joys, lest we be so engrossed in them that they deprive us of the sight of the very one who gives them to us. Somebody tell me, this is an elementary question. What did Manad just say there? Look unto Jesus and not on our most legitimate and earthly joys. Why? What did he say? Yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure we're clear on that. Because the temptation is what? To focus so much upon them. And they may be good things, not bad things, not sinful things. Maybe good things, but we become so engrossed that our, our lives become captivated by them, driven by them, motivated by them. I'm doing this for them, right? It's a big question today. Find your why. And it's not that family's a bad why, but it's not the ultimate. Look unto Jesus so that you're not deprived of the very sight of the one who gave you these blessings. If we are looking at Him first of all, then it's from Him we receive these good things, which are now made a thousand times more precious because we possess them as gifts from His loving hand. If we treasure these things so much, how much more do we treasure the one who gave them to us? He didn't have to. It's all grace, right? It's all mercy. He could have given us somebody else's baggage, but He gave us this gift. To him be the glory, which we entrust those things to his keeping, to enjoy them. It's not wrong to enjoy them, but to enjoy them in communion with him and to use them for his glory. You see the difference? Looking unto Jesus, treasuring him more than anything else. What is it this morning that you, by nature, you've focused upon in your life, you're treasuring, you're hoping in, and somewhere along the way, unintentionally, you disconnected this good thing from the giver. You disconnected it, and you've made your why about this as opposed to the greatness of Christ.